This is Office Hours from Westminster Seminary, California. Call the show now at 760-480-8477. Email us at officehours at wscal.edu. Now, Scott Clark. The beginning of the fall semester for the academic year 2020-2021 marks the beginning of the 40th year of Westminster Seminary in California. In 1980, we were in an office complex in San Marcos. And in the fall of 84, we began holding classes on our current campus. We have now over a 1,000 graduates who have served all over the globe. Indeed, our current student body includes students from the United Kingdom, Germany, South Africa, China, South Korea, Brazil, Lesotho, Singapore, Mexico, Canada, and the Philippines. It'd be easier to name countries from which we have not had students than to name all the countries from which we have had students over our 40 years. And of course, we have graduates serving across North America. As we begin our semester, we're adapting to the changes presented by COVID-19, as everybody is. We finished last semester online, but this term As uh, we are recording this episode beginning next week, we will be back on campus while continuing to teach online our overseas students and other students who can't yet return to campus. Joining us to talk about this anniversary and about how we are adapting to COVID-19 and the other challenges facing the seminary and to reflect on God's faithfulness in uh, preserving us through this episode and through our 40 years is our president, Joel Kim, assistant professor of New Testament. He's taught at Westminster Seminary, California since 2005 and is beloved by students and faculty alike. He's a son of the manse, a pastor. He's taught and lectured across the globe. And I had the pleasure of co-editing Always Reformed Essays in Honor of W. Robert Godfrey with Joel and have had the pleasure of many lunches with him as we've discussed pastoral ministry, the history of exegesis, and the problems of the world. Hi, Joel, and welcome back to Office Hours. Well, thanks, Scott. I wanted to briefly mention that in the intro, as we talk about our lunches together, which I enjoy very much, it's worth noting for our listeners that you eat the same thing, though what I choose to eat are very different. (laughs) Everyone should know that. Um, I could order the food for you. That's how much I know. Says the guy who can't make up his mind. So as we're driving out of the seminary, I always ask Joel, well, where do you want to go? And he says, oh, I don't know. (laughs) <laughs> well, I'm easy going, first of all, and there's so many choices in Escondido, it's worth knowing. It's true. If you have a global palate, Escondido is a great place to be. So everything from Thai to uh, Chinese to, obviously, all the best Mexican food you could want and uh, everything in between. So, And then, of course, we're pretty close to San Diego. So if you want to go south, then uh, you really can eat uh, just about everything under the sun. Yes. So, Mr. President, as a preface to your first chapel message of the semester, you announced our return to campus. So tell us a little bit about how that happened and what it means for us as a seminary. Well, 2020, as many people have pointed out, has been an extraordinary year. um, And that's been true for us as well. I still remember the date, which is March 4th. 14th, when we as administration and board had to decide that we had to go completely online with the health conditions in the states worsening. Well, as we've been watching carefully both the state guidelines as well as the local county guidelines, 
Even up to as late as beginning of August, um, we were told that as a part of the higher education, that is colleges and universities, we could not open up. But in the recent weeks, in the last couple of weeks in particular, there's been dramatic changes in circumstances when it comes to new cases of COVID-19 and also regulations changing regarding K through 12s as well as colleges and universities. With those changes, which are positive ones for which we give thanks, we decided to get together and start thinking through what options we had. And these were discussions we we're having before because as we were thinking about beginning the fall online, we knew that there was a possibility of transitioning back to in-person classroom. And if I can be honest, for teachers, having bodies in the classroom makes the teaching experience that much better. And of course, for a school like ours, where our conviction is that to train pastors to do so in person is the best way to do so. We've been looking for an opportunity for us to transition back. Well, with the regulations changing in the last two or three weeks, we were given the green light. And so following the guidelines that we ourselves had prepared, both safety as well as continuity of education plan that we had posted a few weeks back. And we are giving our students about a week's notice and the school is beginning online, but we will shortly transition. In fact, next week, at the time of our recording, but by the time that many of our listeners listen, hopefully we'll all be in classrooms where some students will be in person, others will be joining us online. So that's a really, as you say, a great blessing because we have been saying for uh, decades, right, that face-to-face is best. This is how we want to do education. In fact, we've had, if we're being honest, a lot of pressure over the years to do distance education, and we have resisted that pressure because we are convinced as an institution that the best way to train men for ministry, and of course that's 70% or more of our students are people heading for pastoral ministry, the best way to do that is face-to-face. Yeah, for many of our friends and alums who know us well, they know that our degree programs are limited. And I, I, you know, sometimes limited sounds negative, but it was an effort on our part to focus on those degrees that help students for ministries in the church. So our bread and butter is MDivs. We don't have a THM program. We don't have a PhD program or a demon because we believe that our role is to prepare folks for church. With that conviction in mind, we realize that in shaping the person for church ministry, whether pastoral or other leadership positions or missionaries, even academic, for many have gone on to PhD programs after their studies here, we are convinced that the best way to shape the individual is by being in person, a residential program, where not only do we download information, which is a very important part of the educational process, but that we also show as faculty members what this life looks like and also live together in a spiritual community for us to build each other up. And so as an institution, we've doubled down on that idea. You know, we have a new Westminster village here, newish now. It's our third year where students are now living on campus in these beautiful apartments. We now have a new full-time dean of students who's here to encourage the students, lead the students, and direct the students in terms of their shaping as well. All these things are intentional. And for us, having students on campus is an important part of what we do. You're listening to Office Hours from Westminster Seminary, California. I appreciate that because, you know, we've adapted. And I think if I can say this, I don't think I've actually said this to you personally. I think the seminary has done a marvelous job reacting and adapting to the changes. We had to go online last spring in mid-March almost overnight with virtually no preparation. And I think by and large, it went reasonably well. 
And of course, we're still doing that with some of our students. So we have these hybrid classes where we have cameras in the classrooms and monitors. And then as you and I are talking, we're ending our first week, the Thursday and Friday, where we're completely online. But as I say, next week, we'll be in class. But uh, for us to be face-to-face with our students, that is ideal for the reasons that you mentioned. And I wonder if I could draw you out a bit on that to explain a little bit more why it's so important for professors and students, particularly MDiv, and not to neglect our MA students. And we have a Master of Arts in Theological Studies. We have a Master of Arts in Biblical Studies, and we have a Master of Arts in Historical Theology. So we do have these three MA programs, but it's particularly important as we're forming pastors for faculty to be face-to-face. So let's draw that out a little bit. Why is that so important for faculty to be able to sit down face-to-face with a student, to go to lunch with a student? We started off joking about going to lunch. Why is that so important? Well, Scott, I think that's such an important question. But before I get there, you were kind enough to mention these transitions and things having gone relatively well. My guess is that different people have different opinions about these things, but we're so grateful for where things are at. Not because things were perfect, we're far from perfect, but the Lord's been very kind to us in many ways. And I think it's appropriate for me to mention that not only have the students been incredibly patient and flexible with us during these transitions, but the faculty members also have. But in particular, our administration and staff members who work behind the scenes often thankless because they're unseen. They're kind of like football offensive linemen. (laughs) Their faces are only shown on TV when they make a mistake and there's a flag. And they've worked tirelessly, in many ways stretched to the limit in terms of the work that they do but with grateful joy and thanks in the opportunity that we have to serve the campus this way. They've worked really hard and they're working really hard even now. Hybrid model is perhaps the most difficult one because it has to account for both students in class and away. And they're working really hard to make this happen. We recognize that as an institution that hasn't done this before, we're going to have hiccups here and there, but we're really delighted to see how the Lord is using the gifts of various people here to make this happen. Well, we have donors too who have stepped Uh, up to really help our students and, you know, recognizing the unique challenges that we're facing with COVID-19. I mean, even this morning, right before we started having this interview together, I was on the phone with a number of donors who are so concerned for our students and our faculty and our staff and the institution. They're praying for us and they remind us they're praying for us. And so we're so grateful for them. And they stand with us even through these difficult financial times affecting everyone. But yet they've stood side by side with us to continue to support us because they believe that good pastors make good churches (laughs) and good churches bring about good parishioners and Christians. So we recognize we're all in this together and their continued support and encouragement has been a huge blessing. It's the small blessings, right, that I think many of us are seeing. So to give you one example, we have this field in the back that was an open field that was meant to be a building there in terms of housing, but we decided to do something different with it and was sitting there needing some ideas. And because of our class two years ago, as well as a donor and a couple, we made it into a soccer field, a field of dreams uh, is uh, how the students call it. And one thing that's intriguing is we were supposed to celebrate the opening of this field of dreams 
in April, first week. But as you can imagine, it got canceled because of the health crisis. But that field has become a point where students can exercise, kids who live in the village to come up and kick their balls around. It became a place where people who cannot go inside, no gyms open, nothing. But yet the timing was incredible. We could not have planned it better. We received a couple uh, emails and letters from students who were saying, we're so thankful for this field because without it, we wouldn't really have a place to go and work out. But this has been a huge blessing for us. And for many of us who are in the front lines and front rows of seeing how the Lord is at work, we've seen him at work on our campus, for our campus in various ways. Those are small things, but not unimportant things, all realized because of the generosity of donors and many who stand with us as a seminary. One of our donors just very recently has made a very generous gift, enabling us to reduce the tuition of some of the students. You know, I can go on all day about people whose names are unknown, whom the Lord blessed in their lives, and who intend to use their gifts of treasure and time to bless others. And we've been the recipients of that. And our students have this unique blessing this fall. Given some of the challenges, these donors wanted to encourage our students by providing a major support for their tuition. And the student's response, obviously, has been overwhelming. It's a generosity that we're very grateful for. And as we begin the year, it's been a huge boost in terms of both our morale and our mindset as we begin the new school year. Now, let's go back to uh, this business of face-to-face education. Mm -hmm. Um, So why is it so important for a a student to be able to knock on a professor's door and uh, go to lunch with him or just sit in his office and ask him questions? Why is that so important? You know, for us, we're reflecting on what the end product ought to be. And the end product we're looking for in a minister is not someone who's simply downloading information to the congregation. It's not someone who's reading a theological treatise from the pulpit for people to understand. We want the person to be theologically educated, a student of the word, and a specialist in the Bible. At the same time, it's a minister who lives among his people. It's a life lived together with the congregation. Best preparation for that involves all those elements being touched we believe, in terms of preparing these men for pastoral call. It means that the person learns the best of theology and the best of what we can offer in terms of how to rightly divide the word and become an expert in the word as they graduate. Although I think all of us who are teachers would admit three or four years of seminary does not an expert make. We provide tools necessary for a lifelong education, and that's what we hope to do. But in providing those tools, it's not just about the Greek and the Hebrew and how to read historical texts and how to understand the theological systems, but it's about how do you talk to one another? How do you minister to people in need? How do you actually take this theology and what you're reading and apply to the everyday situation of life? There's no way in the classroom you could actually think through every possible permutations of applications of these teachings. You're going to face and confront them daily. And interaction with people is the way you learn how to do these things. It's about faculty members and others on campus who've been ministers showing them 
in and out of class what that life looks like and discussing those things, both the joys and the pain associated with pastoral ministry so that you can be ready to go in and do those things. It's about students sharpening one another. There's much learning happening outside the classroom as much as inside the classroom because you're interacting, dialoguing, thinking through. And of course, in the meeting together, there are certain programmatic things that we do that allow us to sharpen one another, things such as prayer groups with faculty. Such an important time. We're dependent people. And as we come before the Lord, not just praying together about specific topics, but learning how to pray by listening to and participating in the prayer life together, sitting and eating lunch together, giving thanks over the meals that are provided, and just talking about things personal and public that requires fine-tuning and perhaps shaping. These are the places where inside the classroom is just a part, an important part, but a part of the education. It's outside the classroom stuff that really make the person and shape the individual in the spiritual community to be more ready because you're dealing with questions that perhaps you don't get to ask in class or discuss in class, both for oneself and for the community at large. This equips them to go out and serve the church even better as a result. This we do in partnership with the local churches, obviously. Their participation in the encouragement by the faculty and the institution to be interns. We have probably the highest number of hours required for internship, and we take that not as a negative, but as a positive, because we want them to be engaged in churches with the local sessions and consistories and to learn Learn from them and these men and live life lived out among them as well. So these are all kind of this ecosystem of preparing a man for ministry. And we believe that this kind of in-person education is an important part of that system. You're listening to Office Hours from Westminster Seminary, California. You know, in 1979, the first faculty and administrators began assembling in San Marcos, California to attempt to establish a confessional biblical reformed seminary in Southern California. Westminster Seminary, California. In 1980, 40 years ago this year, we held our first classes. A few years later, we moved to our current campus, 1725 Bear Valley Parkway in Escondido. Truth is, there were times when it seemed that we might not be able to carry on. But looking back over 40 years of God's faithfulness, with Samuel in 1 Samuel 7.12, we can say, Ebenezer. Thus far, the Lord has helped us. We are grateful to you, dear listener, for your prayers and your support. Pray with us as we, by God's grace, begin our next 40 years of educating pastors, missionaries, teachers, elders, and others for Christ, His gospel, and His church. Westminster Seminary, California, wscal.edu, 760-480-8474. Well, it is, you know, as I think back, and you and I are both graduates of Westminster Seminary, California. I'm old, so I, <laughs> I graduated in 1987, and um, you graduated, what, 95? 97. 97. 97. Oh, so you, people can do the math at this point. <laughs> yes, they can. Uh, if, if I didn't have early onset dementia, I could do the math. But at any rate, as I think back at my time in seminary, one of the things I remember most clearly, besides various episodes in class, is I remember the conversations, sometimes just in passing, with my professors 
I remember Bob Godfrey making just a, an aside one time as we were leaving class, and he just said something in passing that he took as obvious that anybody would know. And uh, I'm still thinking about it, and I know that's true for you as well. Oh, I know. When you say that, it, it triggers my mind a couple incidents as a student, when I was a student here. During my senior year here, you know, seniors have an opportunity to speak at chapel, some of them, right? And I remember being so nervous. <laughs> oh, um, yes. Oh, yes. Speaking to our fellow students and also our faculty members. And I remember running into Edmund Clowney, who was uh, my second year preaching prof at that point, and him noticing how nervous I was. I remember what he said to me. He said, you know, all of us need the gospel. All of us need the gospel, you know, is what he, what he said, encouraging me to say, just stay faithful to what the Lord is teaching us through the word and you'll be just fine. You know, it didn't mean that it went well. I'm not sure how it went, to be honest. <laughs> Chances are you can't remember. No, I mean, those things I don't remember, but I do remember his comment and many others like it. As you said, passing in the halls, something that so convicts you that it stays with you for the rest of your time. I think, looking back again in my time at seminary, the one of the faculty members who had the most profound uh, influence on me was Dirk Bergman. Uh, absolutely. Even though I benefited so much from all the other profs and... Um, you know, obviously it was very shaping, but Dirk used to tell stories in class. And as a pastor, you know, not as a scholar, but just as a pastor, as a person who had to get in the pulpit week after week and, and preach the Word of God, and who had to make house calls and hospital calls and counseling sessions and catechism meetings and Bible studies and do evangelism on the street and preach in the local city mission, all the things that Dirk talk to us about. One of the things that I remember most clearly about my time in seminary are the stories that Dirk told that shaped my pastoral ministry. The various slogans. Uh, men, he said, when you go uh, heresy hunting, be sure to use a rifle and not a shotgun. Oh, interesting. You know, those kinds of things. And uh, I remember him telling stories about uh, how, you know, it, when he was uh, pastoring, when uh, somebody in the congregation would die, they called the minister to come over in the middle of the night to pray with the family before they could remove the body, before the coroner or the funeral home would come, that the minister had to come. Mm. And, and all of those things, they formed my pastoral ministry. He said, you know, when you get called to a congregation, you know, a certain percentage, and I think he said something like 7% of the congregation, how he knew that, I don't know. But 7% of the congregation will not like you no matter what you do. So just don't worry about it. Mm. Love the people, be gracious, and don't have a crisis about that. All those things were tremendously useful and remain useful for me as a pastor. Yeah, we stand on the shoulders of many who went before us. I am acutely aware daily of the blessings that I have, uh, not only in the education that I've received, but to be in this institution, serving this institution in this capacity. It comes with this incredible recognition that many have been here who've prayed, who've served tirelessly, who've given generously. These men and women who walked before us have shaped us in many ways. And I know we're talking about a theological education in residence. But to be honest, as you began with the reminder that the school's been around for four decades, it's a daily reminder of the Lord's grace to us, and we trust moving forward. We're taking steps with wisdom that the Lord has given us, however limited they may be, but making decisions that we think are the best ones at the moment, but trusting in the Lord who's been so kind to us in His provisions and protections. And uh, we look forward to seeing how that takes place going forward, even as we make these decisions in the midst of many changes. You know, it 
it's such a memory lane for us as we think about these things. I look forward to seeing these students 40 years from now coming back and being able to talk like we are, like old men now, the old days. But I hope that, you know, these days and these months that we're experiencing being home and the health crisis and many other distressing news that we struggle through, the prayer that Sharon, my wife and I have for our children is when they look back 10 years from now, that these were not the difficult days that they dread thinking about, but these were moments where they got to spend a lot more time with their parents, experience new things that they wouldn't otherwise but abundantly experience the Lord's blessings. And my prayer is similar for our institution as well, that as we look back upon 2020, a, a, in many ways, difficult year, but five years, 10 years down the road, our students who've graduated and are serving faithfully in different places will look back and say, you know, that was a tough year, but a blessed year because of many things that we learned and experienced as a result of that. And I hope that that would be the case. You're listening to Office Hours from Westminster Seminary, California. So just to bring this to a conclusion, we are, as I said at the beginning and, and as you just mentioned, celebrating our 40th anniversary. What can we say to the listener to try to help the listener understand the value of either investing in or enrolling in or praying for Westminster Seminary California now that we've been here for 40 years. When I came in 84, we were a brand new school. When Steve Baugh came before me, came, it really was a brand new school and nobody knew for sure necessarily how long it would be here, whether we would be able to succeed. And yet in the providence of God, here we are now 40 years and still faithful committed, orthodox, confessional, biblical. What does that mean, 40 years? How should the listener think about that? I think it means the Lord has done it. Um, Even as we speak of many men and women who have been so instrumental in building up this school, we're grateful to the Lord for his provisions. I hear histories, and I love history, but many institutional moments and pivots in terms of needs that were met in spectacular ways and surprising ways. The Lord's been very kind to us, and I think all of us here can testify to the fact that it's not mere man or any individual's gifts or talents, but the Lord has been faithful to this institution, and we're grateful for that. And 40 years is a testimony of his kindness to us. You know, as we think about the institution, as we think about those who are listening, who often are thinking of us and praying for us, we usually ask them to do three things for us. One is to pray for us. I mean, we mean that sincerely, that this is a spiritual work. I mean, there are lots of practical financial business side of things and educational side of things. But first and foremost, it's it's spiritual work, and we need their prayers and encouragement in that direction. We also ask them to come and visit. Right now is maybe not the best time, <laughs> but yeah. we do hope that they'll take the time to come and see what the Lord has done here. And being here, sitting with us, hearing some of the lectures taking place, visiting us for a conference, I think many will come to appreciate the Lord's blessings taking place here, even as we engage in the work now. And then send your students to us. As I was saying earlier, you know, healthy churches don't happen. It's the Lord's blessings upon them, often through the agent of a healthy and vibrant and educated clergy. And good pastors lead to good churches, and we believe that. You know, my kids are teenagers now. We say these to our young people a lot. When they're gifted in something, you say, oh, you should be a doctor. You should be a teacher. You should do this and that. Often, I don't hear people say, you should be a 
pastor. Uh, somehow, that doesn't come off of our lips very easily. When you identify those young men, I do hope that you'll send them over. We hope to learn with them, teach them, and to launch them from here to serve the church, not just the local, but the global church. And so we hope that you will continue to think of us as you think about those individuals who are thinking about ministry as well. There are so many different ways, obviously, you can engage with us, but we want to uh, take the moment to say thank you to you for your kindness for many who have been praying for us and supporting us as well. Thanks for listening to Office Hours from Westminster Seminary, California. Don't miss an episode. Subscribe now to Office Hours in iTunes. Find all the shows at wscal.edu slash office hours. Copyright Westminster Seminary, California. All rights reserved.